Real Goddess, Discovering Your Divine Destiny by Cherie Sandal. Episode 25, An Expansive Mind. Real Goddess is the most important thing you can know about in your life. It's the end goal of all we become in this life. A wise man said that in this current day and age, women will be seen as different and distinct in the happiest of ways, and that a large gathering of women will rise up in strong numbers, dividing the wicked from the good. And I'm here to rope you in, sister. So I was a little surprised a couple of weeks ago when I had two instances happen with my children that kind of surprised me. So one was my son, who is really into gaming right now. He could be at college, but he decided that college wasn't for him and he came home. And he told me a couple weeks ago in this instance, I was talking to him. He said, I don't think I need any more education. I totally think I'm fine. And I said, well, so you don't want to learn any more after this? You don't want to become better at anything? And he said, nope, I think I know everything that I need to in my gaming. And I said, well, what got you to what you could do in your gaming? And he's like, well, pretty much nothing. And I said, well, how about math? He's like, nope, that's figured out in the game. I said, how about reading? He said, nope, I can just listen to recordings of what people have said, and I can speak it myself without even having to read. And I just kind of laughed a little bit. And I said, okay, well, I'm glad you think you have everything you need. And then I thought, okay, this is that age 19. They know everything that they that they think they'll ever need to know. And in a few years, they'll look back and laugh at themselves. Let's hope. And then my daughter came to me and said, you know what? I don't think that I need to go to college. I think I'm just going to be like a nail technician. Now, she's a really creative nail technician, and she could probably do very well just on a little business of doing people's nails. But I was a little surprised that she didn't even think that college would be in her future because it was so huge in my in my past. I, I loved going to college and have always been happy that I got a degree and that I learned the things that I did, even if it's just for more wisdom in life just in general. So I was a little surprised when she said, no, I don't think I need to go to college. I started thinking, oh man, we've been saving for both of these kids for their college their whole lives, literally. We have saved $2 a day per kid for every day of their life since they were born. So they have college funds. We're, we've, we've had this expectation going for them. So I have to stop and think, okay, now, now what? And I don't want to sit there and make their choices for them because I know they have their own agency. But where did I go wrong in not teaching them about what you could do with more information and more education in your life? Well, I ran upon an article and it's called Women and Education by Eva Weitzman, who is a successful business person. And this was in the Marriott Alumni Magazine that I get. And as I read it, I thought, oh, this is totally all about the goddess. And I even sent some of the information to my son, who thinks that gaming has everything that he needs. Because it was just so perfect. And I thought, well, I'm pretty sure that most people don't get this magazine. And I loved this talk. So I'm going to spend a bunch of time talking about these great quotes that talk about how we want to expand our mind especially as women, of course, men too, but women have usually been the underdogs in history. And so this is really a, a um, cheer for the women to be able to do well and to be able to continue in an educated way as they offer much to the world. So 
I loved this quote about daughters of God. Revelation given in the book of Joel speaks of the role of women in the latter days when it says that in preparation for the second coming of Christ, quote, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. This is Joel in the Bible, chapter 2, verse 28 through 29. Your daughters shall prophesy. And then I started thinking about how we often read the Christmas story in the book of Luke, chapter 2 in the Bible. And there's an interesting little measure that is a little bit after the Christmas story that we usually stop and we don't get to this point. But it says um, that there was a prophetess named Anna. This is in Luke 2, verse 36. And Eva Weitzman mentions that, like Anna, we can develop the spiritual gift of prophecy and refine our ability to communicate with our Father in Heaven in ways that affect our own spiritual development and have a positive impact on the world around us. So you may have heard of lots of prophets from the Bible and from various church information, but how often do we hear about a prophetess? And then, strangely, I was talking to my sister yesterday on the phone, and she told me that one of her friends is a, quote, visionary, and that this person can see things in the future. And I'm thinking, okay, well, there's Anna in the Bible, right? Who was the prophetess? So why cannot I have that vision of the future with an expansive view of things? And why cannot you also have that? These spiritual gifts, I continue in the article, bring us closer to the image of God in which we were created. Through her choice to partake of the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden, Mother Eve made it possible for each of us to exercise our agency in a world filled with choices, thereby providing a way for us to spiritually develop. I do not think it was an accident that by some knowledge she opened a pathway that would allow us to become more like God. I believe this sets an eternal pattern. The glory of God is intelligence, and we must likewise enhance our own inherent intelligence in order to become like him and receive his spiritual gifts. In other words, the journey of the goddess is about us becoming more like God. I continue. When God prepares a leader for the gift of prophecy, he expands their view. He does not narrow it. He provides context for the leader's personal prophetic development through lessons on the vast science and history of the earth and the people on it. So then this article goes on to talk about formal higher education, but I'm even just going to stop it at education because even though I've got my degree from college, my learning has not stopped. I just keep learning and keep learning. And I would say that I have earned many, even PhDs in the learning that I have done in the past 25 years since I graduated from college. So our learning continues. So here it says, education provides an opportunity to see more as God sees, not through a narrow and shrinking echo chamber, but with, quote, the depth of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge, unquote. That's in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. With all things continually before him, for he has all power, all wisdom, and all understanding. He comprehendeth all things. Russell M. Nelson says, 
Your mind is precious. It is sacred. Therefore, the education of one's mind is also sacred. In light of this celestial perspective, if you cut short your education, you would not only disregard a divine decree, but also abbreviate your own eternal potential. Abbreviate your own eternal potential. It's like, why would you stop learning? I continue. Our, our, our learning is of value not only if we become mothers or workers, church leaders or community activists. We are of value because of our divine heritage and because of what will one day be our divine inheritance. Our value is not merely instrumental. It is intrinsic. And our learning is not merely instrumental. It is essential. J. Reuben Clark Jr. said, We who invade the domain of knowledge must approach it as Moses came to the burning bush. We stand on holy ground. We would acquire things sacred. We seek to make our own the, the attributes of deity. We must come to this quest of truth in all regions of human knowledge whatsoever, not only in reverence, but with a spirit of worship. Our knowledge is to be coterminous with the universe and is to reach out and to comprehend the laws and the workings of the vast deeps of the eternities. All domains of all knowledge belong to us. In no other way could the great law of eternal progression be satisfied. I think that is saying that there really is no limit on the education and the information of the universe. Like, it's just unending. Henry B. Eyring said, Part of the tragedy you must avoid is to discover too late that you missed an opportunity to prepare for a future only God could see for you. So for a long time, I have... Uh, uh, I have prescribed to the idea of vision boards, and that is to see yourself in the way that you really want to see yourself eventually. And as I've explained in other podcasts, this means seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, tasting, sensing the things around you when you actually have the things you really want. And I think that is an important exercise because it shows true faith. But I think a step Beyond that is understanding that even our vision of ourself is lacking compared to what God knows of us. So if we were to know what God had in, in store for us, we may be very surprised at what we could accomplish. Instead of saying, well, this is the thing that I imagine is going to be my end goal my big accomplishment, the thing that I write on my tombstone. Well, what if it's even greater than you know with God's potential expansive view? So, Boyd K. Packer has taught, we need women who are organized and women who can organize. We need women with executive ability who can plan and direct and administer. Women who can teach, women who can speak out. There is a great need for women who can receive inspiration to guide them personally in their teaching and in their leadership responsibilities. When I read that, I thought, oh yeah, that's me. I can organize. I just talked about that in the previous episode 24 and how many of us have these various 
gifts and talents and skills that we can offer where they're needed throughout the various learning and other opportunities in this world. President Nelson added, we need your strength, your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. The kingdom of God is not and cannot be complete without women who can speak with the power and authority of God. Step forward. Take your rightful and needful place in your home, in your community, and in the kingdom of God, more than you ever have before. As you do so, the Holy Ghost will magnify your influence in an unprecedented way. Again, I think that's saying God has a greater vision for you than you can even comprehend. And this is why I am podcasting. This very idea of stop staying within your little shell and expand yourself to the world. Many of us can take this opportunity to expand ourselves to the world. It's not just one person who rises above and says, ooh, look at me, I'm pretty awesome. It's me and the person down the road and the many people in my neighborhood and the many, many people in my city and state and all of us rising up with strength and power because we can, right? All right, never question the value of your education or wonder whether you will have an opportunity to learn and use the knowledge you have gained. God knows you, and even though you may not yet know his plans, he knows the end from the beginning. He is preparing and qualifying you for the work he wants you to do. He will continually guide you to ways in which your knowledge and skills can be of benefit to yourself, your family, your community, and his kingdom. I was just listening to something the other day about someone who had been chronically ill And they had just been trying to cope with the pain that they had on a daily basis. And somebody said to them about their sickness, well, isn't that nice that there is a way for you to keep yourself tethered to God? I thought about that and I thought, yeah, I think that's true. That if we have these reasons to keep tethered to God, that we'll continue to have his power and his spirit to be with us, to be able to help us from day to day as we go about doing our various uh, goals and passions in life. So my goal has been and will continue to be to keep myself tethered to God because I don't know what my future is going to be. Like some people have it all laid out. They know what they're doing. They're a teacher or a doctor or they work at Walmart and they're happy. And I just seem to be a floater. So what I decided to is to kind of float while tethered to that pole in the middle, which is God, who doesn't let me go so far off track that I'm not going to be doing those things that we agreed that I would do before I came here, but also that I have the freedom to fly and do those things and and accomplish my mission being tethered to God. I mean, who else would be better to be tethered to than God, who's going to guide and direct you perfectly, right? Virginia H. Pierce suggested that, quote, when we feel that we must protect and defend ourselves, our energy is used counterproductively and our learning and the learning of others is severely limited. I need to mention this because there's so many instances where we stop ourselves and we slow ourselves down And we are protecting and defending ourselves, whether it's in our best interest or not. And I would issue this challenge, and that is to stop 
living in fear, to stop living in trauma, and to acquire a sense of safety in God himself, despite what is going around. And that by not expending our energy in fear and trauma, we can instead use it the way that God would have us use tethered to him. I continue in the article. If God has directed, even commanded, a woman to pursue her education, who are any of us to turn her away or to add to her burden as she makes her way to the summit of God, to the summit God has bid her to climb? If God is preparing the women to fulfill prophecy, both ancient and modern, about the role of women in these days, we should be celebrating and supporting the women in our lives as they prayerfully seek inspiration and use their agency and intelligence to grow spiritually and serve mightily. This article finishes off with this paragraph, which I love. Women are courageous, particularly when they have been emboldened by the knowledge that Heavenly Father has a plan for each of us and that he will qualify us to do the work that lies before us. Once we know what God wants us to do, we are fully capable of following counsel to sacrifice anything that is needed to be sacrificed to train our minds and hands to become an influence for good as we go forward with our lives. We will seek every good gift in the service of our God. All we ask is that others not stand in our way as we pursue the Lord's errand. Wow. All we ask is that others not stand in our way as we pursue the Lord's errand. It's like, hey, don't get in my way. I'm going somewhere. I mean, you know, we're prioritizing correctly, like I talked about in episode 24. So I'm going to bring in a little bit of levity right now. That was that was a kind of a deep article that talks all about our potential, that we can become something great because of education and the things that we invest ourselves in to make goodness happen. And so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about when I was at college a few decades ago, I had a boyfriend and he had some interesting roommates. I'm going to tell you about two roommates. First of all, there was Mel. Mel was an interesting character. He had blonde hair that split in the middle. His part was down the middle and it just kind of came down in a mop, kind of down by his ears. So he was really easy to identify. He wasn't just your normal guy with just normal hair that you could mix up in a crowd. It was Mel. You could tell who Mel was. And at first, I noticed him in what they called the heart building of the BYU-Idaho campus. And we would have devotionals there every Tuesday where we would go and meet and we'd listen to keynote speakers and lecturers and religious leaders. And I noticed him having tripped down the stairs. And it was kind of a long staircase and his books splattered all over the place. And all these women, women, girls were covering their mouth like they couldn't believe that guy just fell down the stairs. And I kind of laughed a little bit, but tried not to stare. You know, you try to look back towards the front and not look at this guy that sprawled all over. And some brave people would go and they'd help him up and, oh, are you okay? And help brush him off and help gather up his books. I thought, oh man, I am so embarrassed by that guy. 
So then this is before I knew who he was. And then I was there long enough that I was there for two years, but I started to notice that this was a trend that Mel would intentionally trip down the stairs of the heart building, building gymnasium. And at first I, I thought, oh man, this guy's really clumsy because I didn't realize he was intentionally doing this until I had this boyfriend who I realized that Mel was his roommate. And I said to the boyfriend, is he pretty clumsy? Like I am always seeing him trip down the stairs. Like I feel really super bad for him. And he totally sprawls. Books go everywhere and he might even get hurt. I mean, I feel so bad for him. My roommate said, oh, he's totally doing that on purpose. What? Are you sure? Oh yeah, Mel. Mel does that kind of stuff all the time. He loves to get the attention of the girls. I'm thinking, well, that really works. I always think about Mel because Mel is just one of those kind of people that he just, he makes you think a little differently because he's not just your normal suave guy who tries to get the girls because he's witty or whatever, but who just really tries to make attention. He tries to draw attention. <clears throat> and then there's Phil. Phil was another roommate of the same boy that I dated. And Phil was kind of an interesting character in that he was pretty quiet. He was kind of opposite of Mel. And Phil would not say very much to me. Every now and then he'd say a few words, but not very much at all. And I made the observation that he was a pretty good looking guy, but he really was kind of cryptic. He didn't really say much at all. Well, it came to be the time where I broke up with the boyfriend. Actually, okay, the boyfriend broke up with me. I'm going to be honest. He said that he found out that I was not the one for him, you know, eternally. I was not his eternal mate. And so he just kind of dropped me like a hot potato. And at this time, maybe Phil felt like he could open up to me. But it was very briefly. And one time when I was at my old boyfriend's apartment and I was still trying to kind of make that sever severing of not having to be with the roommate. I mean, with the boyfriend all the time. And this roommate said to me, you know, you're being fake. I said, what? And Phil repeated, you're a fake. I was like, what are you even talking about? Now, I'd already been kind of crushed because this boyfriend had dumped me. And now here's his roommate telling me that I'm fake. So I wish that he had said more, but he didn't. That's all he said. And since that time, I've wondered, what did that mean that I was being a fake? And through the decades, I've kind of pondered on that because not many people will come up to you and tell you you're a fake. But through the years, I've determined he's probably true. We're all kind of fake in a way, right? We all kind of come here as fakes. And we're all just trying to become that person that we know we can be, that higher self, that vision of what God knows we can be. Yet, oftentimes it comes across as our false self. So now that I think about when Phil said that, I think, man, he must have been pretty intuitive and pretty bold to tell me that. But that he's, I think he's right, that I was being a fake and that I have since tried to become more true. So I think being more true and more genuine is about becoming the goddess. And as I think about the article that I read by Eva Weitzman in that magazine and that was called Women in Education, 
I think that a lot of it described who the goddess is, who you and I are seeking to become. She rises above the pull of the world. She expands her view beyond the drama of daily living, beyond the perceived offenses all around her, to the many possibilities she's capable of. She embraces love above all. She moves above trauma and the threats of living and takes that first step into the Red Sea like Moses. I think about Moses and how he didn't know what was going to happen when he stepped into the Red Sea and he had the Egyptians after him and the water parted. He didn't know what was going to happen. And neither do we know in those times when we step into the unknown and hope that miracles happen in in our favor. So as I think about the goddess, I commit to do these things. I'll take on a more expansive view. My knowledge can be coterminous. I will not abbreviate my eternal potential. I will not miss out on an opportunity to prepare for a future only God could see for me. I can continue to be organized and will organize. I will speak with the power and authority God has given me. I will see my knowledge isn't just intrinsic, it's essential. And hopefully teach that to my son and daughter who kind of think they know enough. An expansive mind allows for others' expansive views, decreases our judgments of others, helps us keep shedding old and outdated thoughts, fosters forgiveness, but more accurately is more constant love. It reminds us how much we are like each other and also how unique we each are. And now I ask, goddess in training, what will you do? I hope you will join me in awakening one million potential goddesses to their divine destiny by sharing this podcast and information with others you think would benefit. And I hope that you will continue your life with an expansive mind.